Welcome to Woodlawn. We're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online today. And glad to have all of you as well. Everybody doing good? You ready? Everything great? Copacetic? All right. Can't complain, huh? How about the weather? Yeah, isn't that great? We, we had a little rain recently. <laughs> and we had some family here from Tennessee, and they came for the rain. They got here. And it started raining, and when they left, the sun came out. And that, that's the way it worked. But they didn't have to pay to stay in a condo or anything. They were staying at our house. So that worked out for them. And they'll come back. Trust me, they'll come back. You know, we used to live up in the Auburn area, Auburn, Alabama. And that was about halfway from Tennessee for them to come visit us. And we couldn't get them to come there. We said, we got a pool at the house. We got a lake. It's a great place to be. You ought to come see us. But boy, when we live in Florida, they like to visit for some reason. I don't know what's up with that. It's, it's a lot further, but they come anyway. You have any family like that? They, they come? You, do you leave town when they come? What do you do? You just bring them on, right? I mean, we're always glad to have them. Well, have you ever gotten in your own way? I have. Man, I've made some decisions in my life that were not wise choices. I don't know about you. You ever shoot yourself in the foot and reload and shoot yourself again? Wow, that hurt. I think I'll do it again. We just do dumb things sometimes, don't we? And we make decisions that we shouldn't make, and it really affects us. But it not only affects us, it affects people around us. Because when we make decisions that hurt us, it hurts them as well. And you know, you've known people who are their own worst enemy. Maybe you've been that way, or maybe you've known somebody. They make a bad decision financially, or academically, or professionally. And so that has an impact, a reflection. And you thought to yourself, just stop. You're doing this to yourself. You are the problem, but they can't stop. The reason that's true is because all of us have participated in our bad decisions. Now think about that for a minute. You personally have masterminded all of your poor choices. <laughs> so you can't blame anybody else. I can't either. Same thing with me, right? We've been there. We were involved in it. We did it, and it was the worst decision. A single bad decision can be the first step toward your being your own worst enemy. And listen, every habit has a first step. We learned that in CR. CR meets here on Thursday nights, and you learn that. You know, whether you're going to have a good habit or a bad habit, it starts with a first step toward doing the right thing, doesn't it? And then if you continue on in that pattern, then you'll either do something that's good for you or bad for you, and so you have to make a decision. Now, why are we talking about this in church? Have you thought about that? Well, when you can't get out of your own way and make poor decisions, then you hurt other people besides yourself. That shrapnel affects the people closest to you, the people who depend on you, and the people who love you. And it isn't even about us. Our primary decision is to follow Jesus because as a Jesus follower, we're responsible for how we impact other people, right? I mean, it's not just our life. Jesus has bought our lives, hasn't he? He's paid the price for them. They belong to him. And so we have an impact on others, hopefully for the good. And so people can be drawn to our lives in order that we can point them to the source of our lives. Now, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to live in such a way that people are drawn to that so that when we have the opportunity, we can point them in the right direction toward God. So I've already given you two preemptive habits 
in the past couple of weeks. And you remember these, don't you? Because you've got a mind like a steel trap. I can tell just by looking at you, you're going to know the answers to these things right away. What was the first preemptive habit that we said? Pay attention to the tension. That's right. Pay attention to the tension. If you're about to make a decision and you get an uneasy feeling about it, you think to yourself, eh, I don't know, something just doesn't feel right there. Pay attention to the tension. If somebody else is saying to you, eh, that might not be the right way to go. If you're making an option, an invitation, a decision, then you might want to look at that and say, well, maybe not. Pay attention to the tension. The second preemptive habit, number two, is to pay attention to your narratives. Pay attention to your narratives. Now, last week we said this. How many of you talk to yourself? How many of you are in denial about talking to yourself? Now, look, you may not talk out loud to yourself, but you think things sometimes. Have you ever done that? And so while you're thinking about things, you have this narrative. You remember we talked about in high school, we all had this internal narrative, this self-talk, and it was kind of peer-based. Our peers influenced the way we thought, and so we, we had our minds made up. Don't confuse us with the facts. We know what we're talking about, and you could try as a parent to get through to your child, but they're not going to listen because you're old and what do you know anyway, right? And so you just can't break through that. And then later on, as they get a little older, they're amazed at how much you've learned in such a short time, how wise that you have become, right? So pay attention to what you say to ourselves. yourself. It can be helpful or it can be hurtful. Now, number three, our third preemptive habit that we're going to look at today, pay attention to the voices of wisdom around you. Pay attention to those voices. They're wise people. God surrounds us with wise people. We need to listen to them. Most people can be their own worst enemy if they don't do that. Somebody in your life may be saying, I don't know about her. I don't know about him. I don't know about that job. I'm not sure about that investment. And somebody is there to warn us if we're listening. The habit of listening to wise voices around us is very important because in the middle of making the right decision, I can guarantee you somebody is listening to the voices and somebody is ready to tell us about the things that we are ignoring. There's somebody around who's not distracted by our internal narrative. They're objective. They can look at it better. There's somebody who's connecting the dots, maybe where you're not connecting the dots, and possibly they're trying to say something to you. Behind that internal narrative, you've already made up your mind, and it's impossible for you to listen. So I want to tell you about a story from the Old Testament today, and I hope it'll soften your resistance to maybe something that you need to hear, and you'll be more receptive to it. It's from 1 Kings chapter 12, and I want to encourage you to go home and read this for yourselves this afternoon. Now, the assumption was that after Solomon, King Solomon died, the king of Israel, Rehoboam would take the throne. Now, who is Rehoboam? Okay, Rehoboam is Solomon's son. So I want us to practice this name because there's a reason I'm going to show you in just a minute. His name is Rehoboam. So let's say that together. One, two, three. Rehoboam. Look at the person next to you and say, Rehoboam. Tell them that. Okay, because we got to make a distinction here. Now, to fully understand this story, there's one more character I have to introduce to you. That's why I ask you to say this. His name is Jeroboam. There you go. Rehoboam, 
and Jeroboam. Let's all say Jeroboam together. One, two, three. Jeroboam, you're doing so well. You're going to move to the head of the class. I'm so impressed that you're listening. And so what did Jeroboam do? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. In 1 Kings, it says, now Jeroboam was a man of standing. Jeroboam, not Rehoboam, was a man of standing. People thought this guy had it going on. He was an extraordinary leader. He was well-known in the community. Now, who's Solomon's son? Rehoboam. Who's this guy that's a great leader? Jeroboam. Okay. And when Solomon saw how well the young man did his work, he put him in charge of the whole labor force of the tribes of Joseph. So he's got this important job, right? And, and something odd happens now. About that time, Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem and Ahijah, okay, now let's stop there for a minute because how many people do you know named Ahijah, right? And let's practice that name, one, two, three, Ahijah, just like you're sneezing, Ahijah, that's what it sounds like, right? That'll be the way you remember that. So Ahijah is this prophet of Shiloh, and he meets him along the way, and Jeroboam has on this new cloak, okay? And so the two were walking alone out in the country, and Ahijah took hold of his new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. Now, we all know what a pain prophets could be in the Old Testament, right? Why? Because they told us the truth. They told us the things we didn't want to hear. They told us stuff we needed to hear, but we didn't want to hear. But did you know that they tear your clothes up too? Yeah, right? They do. You've got on a new coat. You've just got it. You're looking good. You're leaving the city. You're going somewhere important. And the prophet comes up and goes, give me that coat. And he cuts it up into 12 pieces. Now, that's, that's, that'll make you love people. Prophets were not popular, okay? And that's not going to help him a whole lot, but he's not worried about that. And then he said this to Jeroboam. He said, take 10 pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand, and I'm going to give you 10 tribes. Now, there are 12 tribes of Israel, okay? And he's going to give 10 of those to Jeroboam. He's going to leave two with Solomon because Solomon's father is... You may sit on the front row. <laughs> Solomon's father is David. And David was a man after God's own heart. And David was somebody that God loved. And he says, because of your father, David, I'm going to let you keep two of the tribes, but 10 of these tribes, I'm going to give them to Jeroboam, okay? And, and why is this? Well, by this time in history, King Solomon had become a pagan king. I say he was a pagan king because he worshipped many gods. That's the definition of a pagan, someone who worships many gods. He worshipped all the gods that his wives had, and he had a boatload of wives. That's the biblical term for it, a boatload of wives right there. That's actually more from the southern region of Israel that you come up with that terminology, right? So he had so many wives. Yeah, how many wives did he have, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you how many wives he had. He had so many wives that what he would do is he, would, he wouldn't even name them. He would number them because <laughs> there were so many of them. 
And the reason for that is, is he would, he would find some king that was over some kingdom and he would marry that guy's daughter so that he could set up a peace treaty with that king so that they would live in peace. And he did that all the time. He was constantly finding a new kingdom and a new daughter and a new wife. And so he would marry them. Now, here's the problem. All those wives worshipped other gods. And so Pilatok took place, apparently. And they're laying there together. And she says, you know, I wish that you would worship my God. You don't love me as much as you love wife number 13. Well, if you, if you loved me, you would worship my God. And he just gets tired of hearing it eventually and gives up and goes, okay, 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 I'll do it. And so it's against everything the God of Israel says to do because there's only one true God, right? And so he's just worshiping all these different gods. And so the prophet says, God is fed up with that. When King Solomon dies, the kingdom's going to be divided. And Jeroboam, you're going to get 10 of the 12 tribes, okay? Then in 1 Kings, it goes on. God says, but I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. In other words, it's because of David, as I said. And apparently Jeroboam got fired up about this and he made a mistake. He was so excited about what the prophet told him that he started telling people about it. And when he started telling people about it, word got back to King Solomon. And King Solomon did what all the ancient kings did in those days when their dynasty was threatened. Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt, to Shishank. Let's stop right there for a minute. Shishank. Can you say that one with me? One, two, three. Shishank. Yeah, be careful. Okay. So Shishank, the king, and they stayed there until Solomon's death, okay? And so now he's going to take that away from him, and that's what's going to happen. Now, this is where the story gets practical, and it gets really interesting, as if it were not already interesting, because you're riveted right now, aren't you? You're on the edge of your seat. You're going, I've never heard this story before. This is fascinating. I've got to get into the Old Testament more often. All right. And so in 1 Kings, it says Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishank, the king, and he stayed there until Solomon's death. Now, this is what happens. The story continues on, and Solomon dies. So Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son, right, went to Shechem, okay? And that's a city... I'm just telling you what it says in the Bible. I'm not making these up, okay? Shechem, so there. It's kind of like Shechem's over here, right? So Shechem is this city above Jerusalem. In fact, it was the capital in ancient Jerusalem. And this is where uh, Rehoboam goes and they make him king. This is the best day of his life. When Jeroboam heard that Solomon had, was dead, he thought to himself, well, it's safe to come back because Solomon is dead now. The king is dead. Meanwhile, in Shechem, the assembly comes together, represents the people, makes a request of King Rehoboam. They've made Rehoboam the king now, right? And so they make a request. And here's what they say. Your father Solomon put a heavy, heavy yoke on us. He treated us like slaves. But now... We want you to do something different. We want you to lighten the harsh labor that we go through all the time, the heavy yoke that he put on us. We want you to make the yoke lighter. And then if you'll do that, then what we will do is we will worship you faithfully. 
We will follow you. You've got to stop taxing us all the time. And you've got to stop sending the men away to go cut stone in another place to drag the stone back here to make another monument for your father, Solomon. That's what he was doing. He was sending the guys TDY. Right? Anybody military in here? If you're military, you're probably not here. You're probably TDY right now, right? That's what happens. They, and we used to serve a church seven miles from Herbert Air Force Base, and we had the wives and the children. The guys were always gone somewhere. Some of the military wives, some of the wives were military, and their husbands were there. And so that was the way it was. They were gone. You had to look at CNN to find out where they were because they were special ops. They were gone all the time, right? And so that's what he's saying. And they're saying, well, look, we're tired of traveling all the time. We want to stay home and be here with our families. And they said, we'll serve you willingly. So Rehoboam makes a couple of good decisions. The first thing he says is, go away for three days and come back. Let me think about it, okay? Good decision. Wise choice. Let me think this thing through, and then I'll give you an answer. And so that's what he does. And then King Rehoboam makes another good decision. The king... Rehoboam consulted the elders. Now, these were the elders that served Solomon. These are the wise men. This is his counsel. These are the people the wisest man in the world turned to, and he listened to their counsel because sometimes they knew things, information that he didn't necessarily know, and they could tell him that, and they could go, oh, okay, that makes a difference. I didn't realize that. And so that was a wise thing to do, and so that's a good idea, and that's what he did. Solomon knew that they were wise. He knew that they could give him good advice, and he needed that feedback from them. So these good men who give good advice, he says, how would you advise me on how to respond to these people? And here's what the old guys say. If today you will be a servant to these people, and if you will serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So in other words, Give it to them. What can it hurt? It'll be a positive thing. Wise counsel, good leadership instruction. These guys knew what they were talking about. And here's what Rehoboam thought to himself. What do a bunch of old guys know? <laughs> They've already lived their lives. You know, they're not even in touch with what's going on today. I know better than they know. I'm not going to pay attention to them. They've already had their influence. They don't understand. I want to make a legacy for my life. I want to be my own person. And so he discounted their good advice because of where it came from. He discounted, discounted their advice because of where it came from. Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and what he needed to hear because it was not what he wanted to do. Now, none of you would ever do that, would you? You would always listen to the voice of reason. You would listen to wisdom. You would pay attention to what others share with you, right? And in discounting their advice, he's saying, well, they haven't walked in my footsteps. They've never been in business. They've never been a parent. And, and there's a thousand reasons for me to discount their advice. They don't know what they're talking about. Perhaps somebody around you is trying to advise you right now. And in this case, Rehoboam, what they're saying is, this is a way for you to unite the kingdom. If you'll just do what we say, you can unite the kingdom and you can live in peace as your father did. And what did he do? He found some folks who would tell him what he wanted to hear. Let me tell you how to become your own worst enemy. Surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear. 
100 years ago when I was in high school, I was dating this girl, and she always told me what I wanted to hear. And I thought to myself, I don't want to marry somebody who just tells me what I want to hear. I, I want to marry somebody who will tell me the truth. And boy, were my prayers answered. Because <laughs> God gave me Lauren. Let me tell you, she doesn't sugarcoat it, baby. She tells me the truth. She tells it like it is. And, you know, I'm grateful for that because it helps me. And so your advice that you're getting, who, whose advice are you ignoring right now? It may be bad advice. You need to ignore it. But for the moment, let's say you're currently ignoring someone's advice, and maybe you need to ask yourself a powerful question. What is the internal narrative that I'm telling myself to reinforce my resistance to the advice that I'm getting? Because when you pay attention to the narrative, it's going to be an indicator as to whether you're going to get good advice or bad advice and whether you're going to follow it. And if there's something in you that says, what could they possibly know, then you need to push pause because you may become a victim of the fallacy, the false thinking that you had. Now back to the story. But Rehoboam rejected the advice that the elders gave him, and he consulted young men who had grown up with him and people who were serving him. These young men had no more experience than he did. When people, the only people who have access to you are people that need you or people who want something from you, you are in a dangerous position. That's why we all have to be so proactive and we have to bring people in that we need to listen to, people that can be in our sphere of influence, people who can influence us from the outside. And so he asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer what these people are asking me? Lighten the, lo the yoke that your father put on us because you're always going to find somebody who will tell you what you want to hear, right? Yeah, you will. And if that's the only thing you do, then eventually your marriage or your finances or your profession or your academic life or your spirituality or your relationships or even your influence, it won't be and it won't take you where you want to go. You get in the way of becoming who you should be, and that's exactly what happened to Rehoboam. So First King says this, The young men who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, your father <coughs> put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Now, you've all said that, right? <laughs> Isn't that a common phrase we use all the time? My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. What in the world is he talking about? He's saying to them, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you think that my father was tough, if you think he gave you a heavy load, you just wait to what I'm going to do. And so here's what he said. My father laid a heavy yoke on you. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. What in the world is he talking about? Whips that he's referring to are the whips they used on slaves if they wanted to correct them. But scorpions were the kind of whips they used on criminals. And they're saying, if he treated you like slaves, I'm going to treat you like criminals. So there, put that in your pipe and smoke it. How about that noise, right? And as the scorpion goes on, you know, he's saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take you out. And Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders 
And his fate was sealed, but not just his fate. The fate of the kingdom was sealed. See, it doesn't just affect us. When we're in a position of leadership and we make a bad decision, it affects everybody else as well. And the people came with a prepared statement. They'd made this when King David was there. It was rebelling against him. And it says, to your tents, Israel, look after your own house. And the author said that the rebellion against the tribes of Israel continued on because of that. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to have a little drink, okay? I feel so much better now. All right. So here's the deal. The rebellion for the house of David, now the kingdom will never come back together. It will never be divided. It will be separated because of this. Now listen, when the kingdom is divided, when it's divided, it becomes weakened. When it's weakened, it becomes vulnerable. When it becomes vulnerable, it becomes invadable. And at that point, that's a crack right there in the kingdom that's just going to get bigger and bigger. Just like you and me, when we refuse to listen to the voices of wisdom around us, that's when we get into trouble. And so you find someone who has nothing to gain and nothing to lose by telling you the truth, and you simply say to them, okay, what would you do if you were in my shoes right now? And you listen to them. You seem like a wise person. If you were in my position, what would you do? You don't have to sell yourself on this idea because you know it'll work. It's the right approach, isn't it, to get wise counsel. Wise people make it somebody else's business for the sake of their future, but more importantly, for the sake of the people around them. So I want to challenge you to make this commitment. Are you ready? Brace yourselves, okay? Do not automatically discount advice based on the source of the advice. Don't just say, my parents don't know anything. Why would I listen to them? Don't just write somebody off because of the a source, the who it is. But say, I'm going to weigh this out. I'm going to talk to my other friends. I'm going to let them help me with this. I'm going to try to make a right decision. And I'm telling you, this will serve you for the rest of your life if you will follow that commitment. And when you make that commitment, you will begin to further the habit of paying attention to the voices of wisdom. Listen. Wise voices lead you to make wise choices. Wise voices lead you to make wise choices. You can remember that, can't you? See how I made it rhyme? It works, though, doesn't it? And when we listen to the voices of wisdom, we make better decisions. We live with fewer regrets, and we do not have to become our own worst enemy. Jesus gave us a covenant of marching orders, and he reduced all his teaching to one simple, simple imperative. He said, you, as my follower, are to love as I have loved you. In other words, treat people the way you want to be treated. Do what Jesus would do. Be the example to others. And as Jesus' followers, you, you can't just blow up your life over selfish, unwise decisions because you affect other people. And you're not the only one who suffers. Those around you suffer, which means there are three things that have less to do with you and more to do with the people around you that you need to commit to, okay? Pay attention to the tension. That's first. Pay attention to the tension. That was the first week. The second week is pay attention to the 
narratives, that's right, the self-talk that you have. And third, pay attention to the voices of wisdom around you. Look around you right now. Go ahead and look at them. And say to those voices of wisdom around you, say, I am going to listen to you. Go ahead and tell them that right now. It's so interesting to watch the husbands and wives practice this, right? Because, you know, the, the, they're not necessarily, their heart's not always in it. I can just tell you. But it needs to be. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this good wisdom and good word here. Lord, help us to learn from this Old Testament story what we need to learn. Help us to, to take it, to hear it, to embrace it, to apply it to our lives. Lord, help us not to just leave here and go get something to eat and forget about it. But help us to turn to you and say, now, Lord, what do you want to teach me today from this story? What do you want to say to me? Who do you want to use to come into my life, to speak into my life, so that I might hear your wisdom? You may work through your Holy Spirit and speak directly to me. You may work through someone who loves me, a family member. You may work through a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. You may work through someone who's my teacher, someone that I know casually, but, but maybe they, they've got a word for me that I need to hear. And so, Lord, I just pray that I'll be open. I won't have my mind closed. I won't be a person who's just shut down to any possibility, but I'll be wise, and I'll listen to the wise voices and make wise choices. I pray in your son's name. And everybody said, Amen.